The United States war against crypto seems to be continuing with a potential $4 billion settlement between the DOJ and Binance, which I actually think is a good thing, and an SEC enforcement action against Kraken, very similar to the one that they had previously against Coinbase. We're obviously going to talk about all of that, but more importantly, I've got Stacey Borden on today from Algorand. Some unfortunate things were said on my show last week, and we want to go ahead and just set the record straight about what is going on at Algorand. You guys don't want to miss this show. I've got Wick at the back end to share some charts, look at some requests for you guys. It's going to be a great show. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and hit that like button. As I said, I've got an amazing guest today, two amazing guests. But first, I'm going to bring on Stacy from Algorand, and we're going to talk about uh, what unfortunately happened last week and what's actually going on with Algorand. We've got the truth about Algorand there, Stacey. It's the big, <laughs> my big The headline. most amazing guest first, and then <laughs> the second right, yeah. most amazing guest second. Yeah, you know, we 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 know how we know how to do this thing. And we even when I don't have a producer, I know how to produce, right? So <laughs> listen, this is what happened last week. I believe I had Invest Answers on, and he very passively kind of uh for no apparent reason said, Well, we've got these dead chains like Algorand. I mean, they've moved on to a full central bank digital currency chain. And then he asked me what I thought about central bank digital currencies, not in the context of Algorand in any way, shape, or form. And I went on my own rant about CBDCs and we kind of moved on. You uh, sent me a message and said, come on, man, be a journalist, ask a question, what's CBDC, right? And, uh, and then I quickly said, hey, let's, uh, let's talk about it, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, my board chair actually is the one that called my attention to that. So you are widely viewed, I think, is the, is the silver lining to put on all sure. of this. <laughs> Good. So listen, I think, uh, you know, some of it stemmed and then I, I questioned him and he sent me, you guys had this report on your blog that said uh, issuing central bank digital currencies on Algorand. And I think that you were very specifically trying to show how the tech could be used, which is very different from potentially the ethos of the Algorand foundation, et cetera. Is that, I mean, is that a correct assessment? Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at it from the point of view of a central bank, it's not clear to me that central bank is ever going to put the nation's currency on a public blockchain. Right. We have, I mean, you know, ZK proofs are getting better and more widespread, but I think that's always probably going to be a side chain. And it's true that Algorand Technologies, who builds the protocol, um, would be open, I think, to, you know, building a side chain for a central bank or anybody else. And what I like about that as the kind of matriarch of the public chain is that the side chain is only going to be as good as the public chain. So the more we, you know, the more we invest in that public chain and the more we kind of build forward on our roadmap, um, you know, the better that product is going to be. And if somebody wants to use that underlying technology to build a side chain of any kind, then, you know, God bless. But that's not what we're about at all. And that's not what our ecosystem is about. I mean, um, what do you generally think about central bank digital currencies? Was my rant somewhat accurate in a vacuum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I liked, your, I liked your rant. And I have actually, this is my chance to plug an article that I have on payments coming out of the Milken Institute. Institute review next month, which talks a little bit about this. I think, you know, I agree with what you say, although I'm not quite, I would say, as paranoid as you, as as you, you know, characterized it in terms of 
your money will only work at supermarkets. They won't work at liquor stores or whatever. But that I was do my think worst that- case scenario for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would happen in the U.S., by the way. But yeah, yeah. in China. But, but I do think there's a couple of things. One is I think it they could be very bad for financial stability more broadly. Right. So we saw with Silicon Valley Bank how easy it is to get deposits out. And if you um, can very easily move your money into a central bank digital currency and out of the banking system, I don't think that's going to be good for financial stability more broadly. This is, of course, not my uh, unique notion. But in addition, if people become more comfortable holding central bank digital currencies, then, you know, banks need those deposits to, in order to issue loans. And so it could have a negative effect on credit creation in the economy more broadly. That's number one. And number two for me is this idea that you can tax savings by putting a negative interest rate on, on, on your savings account. And the, you know, from a policy perspective, you might decide it's good to, for people to spend money in, you know, the central bankers call it increasing the velocity of money. This will be good for the economy. But like from an individual perspective, like I don't want somebody telling me that I have to spend my money right now or you're going to tax me if I keep it in my own savings account. Like stuff like that, I find uh, very troubling. And, you know, and of course, there is also the kind of stuff that you talked about. Yeah. Okay. so let's talk about uh, what is happening at Algorand, obviously, because uh, we also need to dispel the uh, dead chain notion, I think is what he said. So I I think uh, he sweepingly thinks most things are dead chain. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but you know, look, we have 600,000 active uh, addresses per month on the chain. We had 800,000 in August. Um, we have, you know, 23 million transactions per month. That's more, that's just after Ethereum, Near, and I think Polygon, well ahead of Cardano and Avalanche. And of course, I don't like to diss my, my frenemies on this, but you know, it is true that we have a lot of transactions on chain. And of course, we can do um, 10,000 transactions per second. So, you know, we can we can handle the scale of that. We have 20,000 accounts participating in governance, 35,000 developers registered in our developer portal. You know, we've got a billion algo on chain and TVL. And the interesting thing about that is that's 13% of total supply. And that is ahead of Solana, Near, Cardano, uh, in terms of that activity. So, you know, we have a lot going on. We have a lot going on in terms of the building that we're going to be doing in 2024. It's a pretty exciting time. And our protocols are also doing pretty amazing things, you know, all of which I can talk about. Let's talk about it. All right. Well, I remember you were <laughs> you were one of my first. I mean, you might have been. I had a, a couple of like CNBC type NASDAQ uh, money, but you were my first real long sit down in-person interview, which we did at Consensus. And and I remember you very well saying to me, so these things that you're talking about that are incipient, well, let's check back in a year and see. You know, and I remember thinking to myself, geez, I really hope, I hope (laughs) (laughs) things progress over this year, you know, and I am uh, pleased to report that they have. And a couple of things, and this really just recently occurred to me, a couple of things, a couple of um, companies have taken the time to get regulatory approval, and that has taken time, and now they're seeing the benefits of that, right? So one good example is um, Control-Alt, which is an alternative investments platform, which has now taken the time to get regulated by the uh, Financial Conduct Authority in the UK, and they are um, they are now, the tokens on Control-Alt are registered as securities, so, so they have, you know, they have this sort of that um, regulatory certainty that what you are buying is actually a security. 
Um, another good example is Qantas, which has now spent a couple of years and is now um, regulated by the Dutch uh, Central Bank. And they are, they got an electronic money uh, license uh, regulated as an EMI. And that is not a stable coin and it's not a CBDC, but it is an electronic, uh, electronic money that enables programmable money in digital form. And this is very exciting for things like for, for payments, of course, but also for things like, um, you know, machine to machine payments, right? Which you can, which, um, which is, you know, part of this DFIN, the next, you know, part of this growth narrative coming through forward is going to be this DFIN. And so this idea that these distributed networks can pay each other, machines can pay each other for the work that they do is, uh, are two pretty exciting ones that, you know, that I, that I highlight because they took the time to go through those difficult regulatory hurdles. Uh, the other one that's really exciting though is of course TravelX. So Fly Bondi, which is partnered with TravelX, they just last week opened their, their secondary ticket sales marketplace. And you can go on this thing. It's in Spanish, but you can go on this thing and all of these like tickets are now for sale. You know, you buy an airline ticket, you decide you don't want to take the trip and you can sell this thing on a secondary market instead of having to turn it back into the airline and pay the fee. Right. So, you know, stuff like this is pretty, uh, is, is pretty cool. Right. I think I mentioned Hasab Pay, the payments platform last time. They are now up to 100,000 um, electricity bills, for example, in Afghanistan. Oh. They're one of the most important ways that nonprofits can get money into Afghanistan to, you know, and this is really very much aimed at women and aimed at bypassing the Taliban government. Uh, so, and they are, you know, they're pretty excited about their success and now thinking about rolling this out to things like refugee camps and other countries. So this is a pure payments play. So I think we tend to attract these real world use cases, impact type use cases, um, and they're, you know, they're doing pretty well. Would you say that there was a benefit to actually having the bear market and prices being down and less attention on the space for you guys to actually be able to put your heads down and focus and build? It's something that I've heard sort of across the board. I'm just curious if that was your experience as well. And for all of these, obviously, projects. Yeah. I mean, one thing is that when you're, you know, when your token price is lower, you can't do as much, right? You have to be much more careful about who you hire. You have to be much more careful about how you spend money. And we've seen that protocol after protocol that start thinking, oh, you know, this pay to play stuff that has really been juicing our, our uh, performance is not something that we can afford anymore. And we never really did that to begin with. So we were in better shape that way. But uh, so that's the kind of the negative part about it, which I feel is, you know, pretty obvious. But on the positive side, I think we were not getting enough attention and we didn't really know how to get attention at the time. And we in particular as a chain needed a little bit of like a no hype environment for us to kind of get our act together, as, you know, particularly at the foundation. And also I think our protocols needed some time to kind of grow a bit and to have a story. And so the, the key thing is to, you know, when the bull run comes, and I'm not talking just about sort of the price of Bitcoin, but the idea that institutional money is going to come into the space, then you've got to be ready for that. And I think we have used this time very wisely to, to build and to be focused and, and also not to waste money. There was, there was some money wasting before I got to Algorand, and um, that's hard to turn off, actually. And so the bear market gives you a little bit of cover for that, that um, I, I may have needed actually to take some hard decisions. 
Yeah, well, I'm pretty confident that we're heading into a bull market. So I hope that everybody spent that time building really well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> we know how the distractions start to fly in as uh, as prices unfortunately go up. It shouldn't be tied to it, but I think that's just yeah. reality. But did you see that the open interest on the um, CME is now higher than the open interest on Binance? I mean, that is like institutional money. That's that's I think that's very. It's a very good sign, among others, among others. Yeah, we have a lot. Yeah, and I, I've been talking about that quite a bit. And, uh, really surprising. Obviously, it's sort of two ships passing in the wind. I think it's institutional, institutional interest increasing and Binance being marginalized, obviously, by all the problems mm-hmm. they've been having. But you know, I want to talk about that really quickly. U.S. is seeking more than $4 billion from Binance to end case. Resolution could come as soon as the end of this month. Binance and founder CZ would face charges in U.S. So that's potentially. I haven't seen that that's actually confirmed. That's conjecture. I see this as a massively bullish resolution if this happens. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, $4 billion, it's over. I think anything that's above Binance going out of business is good for the industry. Totally. I think they should settle. I think they should take it. Of course, it's not my $4 billion, so it's you know that's easy for me to say. But uh, like, get it done. Yeah. <laughs> You know, four billion here, four billion there. But get it done, move on, and um, you know, operate properly. I think people were pricing in like the worst case scenarios in all of these situations, and there was just this sort of sweeping assumption that DOJ charges were coming. They were going to try to shut Binance down. I'm just curious how uh, four billion. I don't see how you get to a settlement in something that's criminal. <laughs> just as right. sort of an indictment, I guess, of the right. DOJ or how the United States, it, that feels like a, I know you can't say this, but feels like kind of a payoff, uh, yeah. but I'll take it. <laughs> no yeah. comment. Yeah, no comment at all. But something that I know you can comment on is the other major action that we saw yesterday, which is Kraken accused by SEC of operating unregistered platform, improperly mixing customer funds. Uh, you have the, this is the actual SEC charges. It's the same thing as Coinbase. So I think there was an expectation this was coming. But what I want to ask you about is that uh, the SEC has made a habit of passively naming different protocols and chains and coins in these actions without actually ever contacting those people or uh, raising suit against them. Algorand was named in this Kraken yeah. uh, suit sort of passively as an unregistered security. You know what I call it? I call it a drive-by shooting. You know, we were just like, <laughs> Walking down the street, there was a couple of gangs out there and like, bing, we took a stray bullet. Uh, You know, we uh, do not believe that we're security. We also don't operate in the United States, though. So um, whatever is determined in the United States does not really have an effect on us. We're a Singapore company. We don't issue algos in the United States. We never have. So we stay out of the U.S. regulatory perimeter. So does it have a material effect on us? No, but it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not accurate. We're a utility token. And I think that's pretty well proven by all of the, you know, the building that's happened on in our ecosystem and the, and the things that we're, that our rails are being used for. Yeah. I think the market agrees with you as well. Right. I mean, some say that uh, price determines everything. I know you don't care and don't talk about the price, but when we saw these actions with Coinbase and the ones in the past, you would see tokens drop 20, 30% overnight just on the mere mention in an SEC suit. I think that the world has just moved on from their deep concern about the SEC's power here with all the losses they've sort of taken in court. But uh, this didn't even affect the price of the assets they named. I know it was you, Matic, I think uh, some others, but it seems just like a nothing burger at this point, which to me is just incredible. Like that also yeah. is extremely bullish and positive. Yeah, I think we all are far more focused on whether the Bitcoin ETF is going to come through, because that is really going to be, if the SEC can 
find its way to approving a Bitcoin spot ETF, I think that would be very good for the industry more broadly. And if, and, you know, markets are often more about expectations than they are about reality or, or expectations can weigh more heavily. And I think the crypto ecosystem is now broadly in sync around an expectation of a Bitcoin ETF this quarter or at least next quarter at the latest. And if that doesn't come to pass, I think that's going to be bad for uh, for us more broadly. I, I agree. It's sort of the opposite of the Binance situation is when you're expecting the positive news, it could be somewhat devastating in the short term if you don't get it. Do you have any particular feeling on that process? It's really interesting to me when you take the fact that obviously the SEC is the one who has to and then you yeah. see actions like Kraken still happening. But I do right. think that Gary can probably differentiate those two or even use the uh, spot ETF to say, listen, I'm not a, against the industry. I just want to clean up, you know, whatever he believes. And here's right. your bone. So, you know, I don't think he's ever going to say, you know, I'm not against the industry, but I just want to uh, is my is my prediction. But I think one thing that may be making it uh, not harder, but a little bit more time consuming for them is just the, the number of applications. And so they are really going to have to kind of decide who who they're going to give this license to or this, you know, this approval to and who they aren't and on what basis and make sure that that decision making is clear and understood to everybody. And I think that they're going to want to make sure the process around that is done properly. So there's probably going to be a bit more back and forth on that. But look, if you look at people kind of my age, they do what their RIAs tell them to do and with their money and RIAs buy ETFs. And that's a lot of money out there. And a 1% to 4% allocation to this ecosystem, um, that's a lot of money, even though it's not a large percentage, right? And I think that will help uh, both Bitcoin and will also help, you know, the altcoins as well. And we've seen a little bit that that news, um, you know, that news effect. The rise of the board. Yeah, of course. It's lifted yeah. all ships as we've sort of yeah. seen it. Once Bitcoin really got past 31,000, I think. Uh, it's a great point about RAAs because... There's the part where right now they just, with fiduciary responsibility, can't recommend Bitcoin. They can't tell somebody to go buy it on Coinbase or do one of these things that's not, you know, in their minds regulated or that they don't have control over. But I think the more important point there is that they don't get paid, right? So like an RIA will now be able to actually make money by recommending you buy Bitcoin or crypto and make it a part of your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know how humans operate. I think that's the bigger story. Yeah, you're right. You're a, you're a, you know, one, one could call you a little cynical, but you are right. Uh, I think that's, that's uh, true. Uh, maybe, maybe cynical. So we <laughs> have now, so we have, we have Bitcoin spot ETF proposed. We have Ethereum spot ETF proposed. We yeah. have a number of futures ETFs. My guess is next we start to see BlackRock indexing. So maybe uh -huh. we get a layer one index or, uh, you know, or the top 10 index or something. I won't jump to conclusions, say we get a pure uh, Algorand spot ETF uh, totally. immediately, but totally. I, do, I do think this extends beyond Bitcoin and Ethereum. What do you think? You know, I think that's true. I do think an index is going to be a little tricky because there's different supply dynamics for all the different layer ones. And so technically, I think that's going to be hard to do, but you could see a... Yeah, you, I, I could see it, but I don't think it's going to be right away. I mean, like some heads are going to have to mash together to, to get a kind of a coin, a coin index. And then how are you going to do the weighting of that? And how's that weight going to um, evolve over time? But, you know, I, I do think another interesting trend, though, 
will be maybe not so much an L1 index, but an RWA type index. So if you can get, um, if you can get tiny slivers of more illiquid assets, then you're going to see much more liquidity in those assets. And you're going to be able to see um, a much more of a household level kind of not accredited investor in the US participation in investing in those in those assets, right? So this is something we're pretty excited about. And we're seeing this in a couple of different companies uh, in the prop tech space on Algorand. But this idea that you could, so one is, for example, it's called Vesta Equity. And you can uh, take money, you can sell equity in your home instead of having to refinance it. And nobody wants to refinance now, right? Because um, interest rates are so much higher and people are hanging onto their houses because they had good mortgage rates on them. So now imagine that you can sell the equity in your house without having to do that. Well, the product market fit issue there a little bit is, are retail investors going to invest in that? It's more of an institutional plan. What is an institution going to need to do? They're going to need to um, buy buy this across many different properties in many different regions, many different geographies, because they're going to want that diversification. So that kind of thing leads itself to indexing, right? Um, another, you know, and if you take it to sort of the reductio ad absurdum of it, you know, one of the fundamental notions of corporate finance is the CAPM pricing model, right? And the basis of the CAPM pricing model is that there's this market portfolio, and it's how you are against this market portfolio that determines this is where the concepts of alpha and beta come from. Well, you've always had to have a proxy for the market portfolio in the past, but now imagine you could take a little sliver of all assets and actually have the market portfolio, like the real market portfolio, if it was all tokenized um, and, and, and if everything was tokenized and kind of on chain. So this is of course very futuristic, but it's a little bit the way that you can imagine seeing things going over the medium term. That kind of stuff I think is super exciting. I agree, absolutely. Do you, what's the Algorand's major involvement with real world assets? I think that's the RWA has been the catchphrase of the next uh, of the next run, I think already of the next cycle. We've seen obviously JP Morgan, BlackRock yeah, settling on private chains, but real moves. Franklin Templeton has already tokenized $300 million of T-bills, right? I mean, this stuff is really happening with the institutions. Do you think that that's a big wave and how will Algorand be a part of that? Yeah. I mean, we have a couple of things still a little bit under NDA in this area, but we've got, as I mentioned, a couple of good uh, companies building in the prop tech space, one called Lofty AI. Now they have, uh, you know, they are completely decentralized. There's a DAO per property and you can get rental income from these properties. And, you know, these DAOs have gotten together. One has actually fired the property manager of the property, et cetera. And so this was kind of chugging along very nicely. But now they have started to list these properties on Airbnb. So these wow. DAOs are like, do I know it's really cool. And, you know, if you go to their website, you can see how many times was the apartment shown in the last week and what is the rental rate and what who's the plumber and who, you know, all of this stuff about it. So, you know, PropTech, I think, is a, a well-used example, but we have a couple of good use cases there. And I just think these these um, platforms, like the one that I told you that is uh, regulated in the UK now, Control-Alt, I love that name, that's why I that's keep crazy. using them. <laughs> yeah, cool. And, you know, they are just trying to bring um, liquidity to alternative assets, be they, you know, wind farms or or larger, you know, pro larger industrial um, uh, kind of properties to anybody that wants to buy just a little piece of them, right? And then, you know, to talk about the Qantas thing, again, I think this is going to be really, really interesting, this 
decentralized physical infrastructure network, right? Like this DFIN, which we are, which I do think along with RWA and AI is going to be one of the core narratives going forward for this next run. This idea of, you know, there's this thing called the holdup problem where people don't contribute the data. They don't do the work unless they're compensated for it in a group setting. And this idea that you can have machine to machine payments in very small increments um, that can, um, that can fuel a decentralized kind of infrastructure play, I think is absolutely going to be a real, a, a, a really big uh, piece of the narrative going forward. And, you know, now you've got to let me, you know, give my two cents on this because we are so performant and because we can do 10,000 transactions per second and because we have instant finality. I mean, as you do the transaction, it's already final. There's no waiting for the fork and the long end of the fork to, you know, and the short end of the fork to fall away. Those kinds of things and the, the lightweight, um, you know, <laughs> carbon footprint, you know, I always use as in my example of how we are environmentally friendly that Algorand takes the um, energy that it takes to charge a Tesla for one year. And um, as I think about saying that, I can't help thinking about how you have mentioned that your car has tried on multiple occasions to kill you. It only so. really once tried to kill me. I loved it for 18 <laughs> months. It was recently and my wife, literally the other, just yesterday, my wife was driving and we were coming back and dropping the kids somewhere and the car just started accelerating. And then she tried to, you know, usually when you let off the gas on a Tesla, it uh, has regenerative braking. So it starts to slow down, just kept speeding up. And uh, the brakes worked once you tried and then got a steering warning and the steering went loose oh and then God. it got a traction warning and all this stuff. And we kind of like slowly, luckily there were no cars right in front of us or anything. So we pulled it into our garage, called them to tow it away and hopefully it'll never come back. And I love that car, oh. but yeah, I'm, I'm good on that. I and you didn't have it on, you didn't have it on self-driving mode or anything? It doesn't even have self-driving. She oh was driving God. the car and every alert went off. And then when we like the guy towed it, we saw that the traction, I guess it was misaligned when it went last time, but the traction on the inside of the tires was completely gone. And so I don't know, the car is pretty messed up. Did you say but, anything uh, about Elon Musk on Twitter by any chance recently? Probably. I don't know. I, I have my or... moments. I don't know. I think it was just, <laughs> listen, I've had other cars where like all the lights go on and stuff and things don't work. It happens, but. Uh, that is terrifying. Was, that is terrifying. Wasn't, wasn't great. <laughs> One more thing before I let you go. Yeah. I think we talked about this in, in the past, but we, there was a sort of notion in the last cycle, I think that, uh, Crypto wasn't ready for the limelight. Blockchains weren't fast enough. They were, you know, you had them going offline and having their problems. Now I feel like we've actually flipped completely. I think now we have so many apps. So do you think we get the killer apps in this cycle? Do you think we get that thing that, you know, all of a sudden brings in 500 million people that need to use this technology? Yeah, 100%. And what I think is going to be, I think the smaller hill to climb was to get to be fast. And, you know, we kind of came out of the gate and we were pretty good there. But I think the much more difficult hill to climb is to get back decentralization once you've got speed and performance. And that, and so I think we will have the speed and performance um, that is required to have to do the kinds of things that we know that this ecosystem is capable of doing. The trick is to not lose our souls in the process, right? not to become super centralized and just a couple of enterprise grade servers, you know, tossing messages back and forth amongst each other to, to keep our soul and to work on the very, very hard problem of performance plus decentralization. I think that's the, that is the, um, 
that that's the challenge for us going forward. But absolutely, I think we can prove our worth in this cycle. And look, I mean, it is so young crypto. Yes. It's young. Ten years is nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And we're going to, you know, have we're going to stumble and we're going to go a little bit off to the side. It's like a heat seeking missile. You know, we're not going to just right there. We're going to kind of have to feel our way still. But but we'll get there 100 percent. And Algorand will be there right at the forefront. I couldn't agree more. Well, I, I once again apologize that I let that slip on the on that last show. I appreciate your willingness to come on and uh, school me. Sometimes we need it. Uh, dare I uh, slip as a journalist there? So uh, I'll really always thank do you. anything you get on. Always. <laughs> it worked. It worked. You didn't invite yourself on. I did invite you, Jessica. Really but you're welcome back. Uh, absolutely, anytime. We got to get you on Twitter Spaces too. I guess it's called yeah, X yeah, that'd be fun. But yeah, we've been totally doing fun. those daily, and that's really a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. Right. Everybody follow Stacey. Check out everything that Algorand is doing. Is there anywhere you'd like to send people uh, um, if they want to? No, yeah, Stacey, Stacey W underscore DC at Twitter is kind of where I hang out. My New Year's resolution, though, is uh, more Discord and Reddit. That's my, uh, that's my next year uh, goal because we're really putting developers first, of course, in our ecosystem. So I uh, plan to be spending a bit more time there uh, coming going forward. But but yeah, um, it's always so much fun to talk to you, Scott. I re- and I really appreciate, and I think I speak on behalf of everybody, we really appreciate what you do for this ecosystem. You're such a credible voice and you're, you're, you know, you're balanced and you're, you're smart. And we just, uh, we, you know, we appreciate you having you on our side for sure. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Stacey. Okay. All right. I guess we had one more story that uh, Stacey and I missed, but there's not much to talk about. But I do have to mention crypto exchange Bitrex Global to shut down. For anybody who's been around for a long time, it was really sad when we saw Bitrex US uh, file for bankruptcy a few months back. Because for the whole, I think, community that came in in 2016 and 17, there was a huge swath of us that were just traders. And you would buy your Bitcoin on Gemini or Coinbase and immediately send it off to Bittrex to trade, because that was the only place that you could trade altcoins back then. Basically, if you're in the US, Binance didn't even exist. You were trading on the Bitcoin pairs, uh, you know, so everything was in sats. And man, it really sucks to see them go. And now Bittrex Global shutting down, really sad. I uh, actually, uh, Oliver Lynch and I, the CEO of Bittrex Global have become friends. Uh, we also hung out at Consensus the same year, I think that uh, I saw Stacy there. And also this year, uh, so I reached out to him. I think we'll probably get him on the show uh, early next week when he can start talking about what's what's going on there. But just sad to see a player like this uh, go under because uh, they were such an impactful platform uh, for the industry before. And now, without further ado, I got Wick, as we do on every Tuesday on the back end, to look at a little uh, trading alpha, look at some charts, and try to get a feel for where we're at in the market. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me again, man. I'm I'm happy to be here. Let's do some charts. Yeah, we, we missed last week. All right, man. So you got to share your screen. Let, let's see what you got. Let's look at some broad strokes, I guess, for what's happening with the market uh, and then uh, dig into some specifics. I think we had this massive sort of uh, run there for a little while and it feels like things are cooling off. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. In fact, I, I think I talk about this. <laughs> I actually have an alert set every year around this time to remind me um, you know, that, uh, when the holidays are up and coming, we do see kind of a thinning of liquidity, at least since, um, I think it's since about not 17, not 18, sorry, about 18 onward, we, we've seen this kind of play out. 
Um, so we can go over that. I've got, as you can see on my screen here. Um, uh, right the, now it's showing me on your screen, which is why I haven't brought it up. So I think you have to share. Oh, it sorry, window. Scott. Sorry, yeah. Scott. No, okay, so we're going to go over, uh, let's go over the total market cap. We can go over Bitcoin dominance and then a few charts that I like, some requests. And uh, yeah, let's start with this uh, Bitcoin dominance here. Um, so the Bitcoin dominance, as I said, it's uh, it's been... Um, Hold on a second. Let me get set up here, Scott. Yeah. So as I said, it's been uh, this is total. So right. Okay. Oh, yeah. sorry. Scott, no, no, sorry. There we go. Yeah. So you're good. There we go. Now. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So here on um here on the uh, Bitcoin dominance, you can see that we've kind of just broken out of the level of Bitcoin, and then we've kind of you know consolidated along this line here, right? As we've seen alts kind of pick up again, um, and then right now, of course, uh, this week we're seeing liquidity kind of die down. I think also, Scott, what do you think? I think it also has a lot to do with that. Um, news we got on Kraken about a lot of those securities being listed or those uh, assets being listed as securities. I think that's maybe scared a few people that might have been in some profits. We've seen uh, mainly altcoins come down a bit. What's your take on that? Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I was just talking to Stacy about that before. I think that uh, it's a very mild impact versus other times we've seen this happen. So I, I view that as a positive. But yes, I would say that uh, that and Bittrex Global, because there are quite a few coins actually that are uh, that either only traded on Bittrex for years or that that was one of their major exchanges. So I think, and then we have the Binance news as well. I think there's just a little shakiness in the alt market for, for a very brief period here. Man, that makes sense. And when you're saying that, I get sad myself. I think we all bring ourselves back to 2017 Bittrex, where uh, Bittrex was, was one of the places to be, baby. That was, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Very, very sad. But uh, as you can see here, you know, on the chart, um, we are seeing a little bit of pullback, but it's not bad. We still have green dots. I still think this is a very healthy market. I think just along with the um, holidays coming up and then a little bit of that scare with the uh, Kraken, I just think we've paused for a bit, right? If we switch here to uh, the total market cap, uh, we're kind of seeing the same thing, right? The market cap's been picking up. And then as you zoom in here, actually, you know, let's go over this a little bit. Let's go over and see what actually happens uh, most times come this mid-November, okay? And let's, if we go back here, we can kind of analyze these, right, all the way back to uh, to 18, right? So this was uh, right, right where we are now, you know, kind of right in the middle of November. We see a little pullback. It doesn't always pull back, but within liquidity, you definitely have a little bit of time before it usually starts picking back up, right? That that market, the uh, market cap liquidity. So then we see it here again, um, kind of, you know, again, it doesn't have to fall, but either it drops or goes sideways, the, the market cap. Um, let's see here. Now this time here, this was in 20. So when we look at this and we say, okay, well, you know, how come it, it did kind of pause for a couple of weeks, but it, it resumed pretty well. It didn't even look like anything happened. And I think the reason why on this this particular year is because this is also when we started to get QE from the government, uh, U.S. government uh, in March. Right. So I think this was still in play. It was very strong. Look here again, mid-November, we do get do, do see a you know, a downtrend start, but I think a lot of it happens when, um, you know, a lot of these uh, prop shops and, and firms that have been coming into the market more and more ever since 17, uh, I think that's when they really kind of started to pay attention for, for the most part. Uh, we do see that, you know, we do either go sideways or pull back during these, um, 
during these uh, times just before the holidays here again. Now, I don't think we'll see a huge pullback because of this. I really, really am not expecting that at all. We are seeing a little bit of a sideways uh, move after after move up, right? And this is to be expected in my opinion. So I think everything is healthy with both uh, total market cap and Bitcoin uh, and, and, and alts, but I do think alts particularly right now, as you see, are having a bit of pullback. That does lead me to my uh, next chart. Uh, Render is one that I'm a huge, huge fan of. Um, I've been really getting into the project, uh, which for me, most of the time, you know, I'm, I'm just a trader. You know, I let, I let other guys kind of educate me on, on on the real details, but this is the first time I'm kind of meshing kind of what I think and my opinions on projects with price action. And I did get some uh, people in over here when I started mentioning Render, and it has broken out uh, of this level here, putting us into a stage two uptrend. This is the most um important time for for me personally when i'm looking for long positions as we're getting to these stage twos uh again just so uh, unfortunate now that we're approaching holidays as it breaks out right and and with this news on crack and i'm expecting this to maybe maybe retest and i'm, I'm hopefully looking for a good reaction right because as traders that that's what we do we don't anticipate what's going to happen or start predict what's going to happen we kind of look at the market uh, price action and trying to anticipate if we see a high probability setup. This is one of them, Scott, and it did start with green dots here, just as it started before. Once we formed that basing pattern, this was also a stage two. So that's it for uh, for render. We yeah, can, they had, I think they did sorry. a kind of, and very recently they had big news with Solana. So it was already looking very bullish, and then they yes. you know jumped on the Solana, which was also clearly the Solana ecosystem looking extremely bullish, and I think it really took off from there, and that gives it should give it legs. Yeah, and 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 for for disclosure, you know Solana and and this uh, render are two of my my bigger positions in alt. So um, you know I, I I do expect them to do well. Uh, but only time will tell on, on how this all plays out, right? But for now, we're in a bull market, and Render is one of my favorite uh, favorite alts, even where my money my money is. Um, TRX, uh, TRX. This was a, one of the requests. Okay, so let's talk about TRX here. We're on the daily chart. Uh, we do have our alpha trend with dots and track line. Um, once they do get green dots and go above the track line, you usually have the trend telling you that it is very, very strong. Micro dots are are, are telling you on the micro scale, the trend is, is, is picking up and the green bars are the macro trend, right? So when, once we get above the track line, above the track line is telling us momentum is in our favor. So when we have the trend and momentum in our favor, it is a high probability setup. These don't always work. You do get fake outs, but you know if you're trying to play high probability, this is probably as good as it gets. Right now, where we are, let's look at this. We did lose, start to lose the dots. I mean, one, two, three, four weeks ago. Um, so we do see this trend, even at least on a micro scale, starting to get a little bit weaker. We also see the momentum in the track line turning yellow. Okay, so when it does that. It just kind of tells you that uh, you know things are weakening a bit. So I would start to pay attention here for whoever uh, did ask me for um, to chart this request. Uh, I think it's had a really, really great run. If you're in a lot of profits, it's never a bad idea to take profits in what I consider uh, a stage three basing level and possibly trying to go below the track line. And if we get red dots, this will be a stage four downtrend. So not a not a horrible time to consider. Uh, some management, right? Uh, again, it's not financial advice, but um, if you're in profits, it's never a bad thing to consider taking them. What do you think? Yeah, Scott? I did notice. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I did notice, uh, like I've been kind of uh, scanning through a bunch of things as well uh, using Trading Alpha, and I did see not really red dots hitting, but a lot of less 
uh, green dots or their green dots sort of subsiding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I tell them, well, I tell everyone, right, is that when we go into like parabolic moves, this is when really the, the, the dots are, 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 are at its most value, right? Because when we go in parabolic, you know, any type of change in that trend is letting you know that some important dynamic is changing, right? So this to me does look like a parabolic move. So for me, seeing the dots kind of start to go, you know, off here and on here and on, you know, this is telling me that this is stage three, this is a basing pattern. And, you know, this is usually where I do some management uh, on at least half my position and maybe raise a stop loss on the other half to uh, just to find my risk or lock some profits. So absolutely. Perfect. I see you have Algo there and we just uh, had <laughs> Stacy on. So perfect timing for that. Yes. So, so I actually really enjoyed uh, 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 listening to Stacy. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, if I'm doing a, 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 a trading an asset um, or looking into it, I'm obviously looking at the founders. I didn't know about Stacy and it was really nice hearing her insight and just how, um, how passionate she is about Algo. I'll go around. Um, I, I, I'll go. Sorry. Um, I'll tell you what, though, Scott, we all do know that the um, most amazing guests do come on second, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Come on. Man. OK. OK. That's why we so, keep the trading because then, they, you know, the crowd builds. So it's, no, absolutely. Know, absolutely. You have to have an opener and a closer, man. Come on. We no, I just thought it was funny there. I just, I just if Stacey is hearing what you're hearing, me, which is probably not. Uh, I thought that I, I, I like that. So, OK, so let's go ahead and turn some stuff on here. Okay, so I've got some good news for Stacy. Um, you know, at least from a charting perspective, from a TA perspective, uh, as you can see, right, uh, green dot start above track line. These usually are our stage twos if it comes from a basing. Again, another base green dots that go above the track line, stage two. So let's look at where we are. You know, Stacy might have had a lot of trouble. I mean, bear market. Once we go red dots from a stage three after stage two. Okay, I know this is hard to keep up with, but I go over all of this on the Discord with my members. Once we go below this track line, right, and we have red dots after a stage three sideways pattern, this is called a stage four downtrend. And you stay out of a stage four downtrend no matter what, the whole time we're under the track line, okay? But as you can see, we do have red micro trend dots, red macro trend bars. The trend is telling us this is becoming much worse. Okay, you never buy in a stage four, okay? We even got a little green dot here. Fake top couldn't even close above the track line, okay? So you don't consider that. Nothing is going above the track line. And remember, Scott, we always look for a basing, stage one after four. We want that basing for a healthy pattern to break out. Now let's look at where we are. Zoom in, Scott, what do we see? It's based for a little bit. We've got green dots. They've yeah, now yeah. broken above the track line. They have retested the breakout, which a lot of times is the track line. And we've kept green dots throughout. We're now seeing a little bit of a pullback. Again, as people get fearful over Kraken, um, you know, a, who knows what's going to be listed as a security. I think I also heard Stacy mention that she was uncertain, right? This is for everyone in alts. It's it's not Algo specific or any other you know, company, but you are seeing a pullback here again ahead of holidays and with that news. But I like this chart, Scott. Yeah, it looks really good to me as well. Uh, and I've been watching it actually pretty closely. And I know that ETH was another request that you had. So let's yes, take a look at that yes, one. Yes, yes, So I call this my sleeping monster because um, Dude, you know, ETH did so well. <laughs> <Come on>. yeah, <laughs> it's it's done so already. well for us in the past. I just can't wait for this thing to wake up, right? It's it's almost like the probabilities are so high that this thing will, will just uh, uh, explode in the bull market, right? That it's hard to kind of 
watch it here as it kind of you know puts in a little uh, a support kind of uh, confirms support a couple times uh, in fact let's go ahead and we can turn on these okay um, as you can see red dots uh, where's the track line at okay maybe I got the wrong one on here sorry guy let's see Okay, here we go. Red dots below the track line. Okay, stage four. We go and start basing. We make a little support, uh, confirm support a couple times. Then we start to, you know, possibly go into a stage one, uh, a, a phase one, right? Because we can't get into stage two unless we break that basing support, which is this right here. So we did get rejected there. We did have a little fake out right at resistance uh, again of the, the resistance uh, range. And now we're trying to break it again. I'll be very honest, Scott. Um, I was very much hoping on this uh, 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 second retest. Yeah, for, I was hoping the next couple of weeks, uh, this week, last week, or this week to see a breakout of these levels. And uh, I am very disappointed to see that because as you know, the more time something uh, kind of tests resistance, you are eating up some of that uh, demand each time. And uh, again, we're going into the holiday. So still very big hopes for ETH. I'll be charting it, paying attention to it. Uh, but um, I got to admit, I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed that this hasn't taken off yet. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think right now we're just going to chill for a bit. Honestly, I, I think the more I look at these charts, we just had this massive run. You know, there, I think we just need mm -hmm. some consolidation. And I think there's actually a lot of like skepticism about the stock run as well. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, as I said, I, I see a lot of volatility come into the market uh, this time of year. So uh, I did make some tweets about it last week and again uh, uh, yesterday. Um, but uh, it even catches me off guard uh, uh, most times. So it is what it is. I'm sure we'll have a great uh, 2024 with everything setting up an election year and uh, even stocks. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you've been paying attention to stocks, you know, NASDAQ and S&P, everyone calling a recession and that's done nothing but prove everybody wrong every single day, almost it seems like. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. Anything, uh, any final thoughts before I let you go? Anything else you're watching? No, no, Scott, I, I am, you know, I'm looking forward to my food coma on Thursday. I don't know what you're doing, but uh, my family <laughs> kicks me. Bad. Uh, yeah. Be bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, you know, since uh, uh, I, I don't cook that well, so I, I look forward to any times that I get to go to family and just kind of, uh, you know, get, have a trip to Fiend hangover. So, no, I'm not watching anything. And thank you for having me on, Scott. This has been a blast as always. Dude, I'll, I'll, always. And guys, we're going to, like this morning, I had forgotten to do it last night to take your guys' requests on, on Twitter or X for, for this. So we just did it this morning. But is it cool with you, uh, Wick, if next week uh, we do it the night before, give us some prep, and then we'll be able to share a bunch more charts that people are looking for? Yeah, no, that sounds great. Listen, if if, ever, if anyone's listening, if you see Scott's, uh, before these Tuesdays, if Scott makes this uh, tweet on his page, please uh, feel free. You know, if you're stuck in positions and you feel a little bit anxious, uh, go ahead and make those requests. And, um, you know, I'll always pick uh, two or three of them uh, if I see them. And, and I'll be happy to do that, Scott. That sounds great. Awesome, man. Well, have a great holiday. I'm glad people showed up this week. Of course, we'll have a, a, another a weird uh, week with two shows off, but then we'll be back really at it, I think, next week, man. Thank you so much. Cheers, Scott. Thank you so much. Cheers. Guys, you probably saw the uh, indicators he's using Trading Alpha. You know by now that uh, we did a partnership, so he shares some uh, free setups, amazing, in the newsletter. And obviously, we have him here on Tuesdays to share that. You can sign up down below. You get two months uh, for free if you do that. It's the way I've told him. I've told you guys a million times. You can see I literally, I mean, it's just, I was looking at alluvium. Uh, but it's how now I used to have this long process of scanning 
uh, different charts and going through coin market cap and stuff. Now I just go up here, I type them in, you know, I keep it on the daily or the four hour. I just type them in, cook through a whole bunch of charts, see where the dots are, see what's happening. It saved me so much time and effort and helped me to uh, confirm really the setups that I'm watching. I use it uh, literally every single day when I'm charting. So if uh, after all these years of using my own system, I've now pivoted over to using that as my uh, first line of defense, you know that I really, really love it. Guys, that's all I got for you today. I got to head over to Twitter Spaces in a little while. We'll have one more show tomorrow and then taking Thursday, Friday off because of the holiday. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Wick and Stacy for being amazing guests. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.